Welcome to Level 33, a podcast that explores a path towards better living. My name is Kim, and I started this project as a way to share my journey towards wellness, self-love, and purposeful living, and in hopes that it may inspire others along their respective journeys as well. Follow along as I share lessons learned and continue to curate ideas that support the harmonization of mind, body, and soul. Hi, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Level 33. This episode should be airing on the morning of Monday, August 29th, 2022. Truth be told, my crippling perfectionism prevented me from taking this episode live last week. But the thing about perfectionism, or at least my perfectionism, is that it's really rooted in the fear of failure. And the way I see it, I would fail by not publishing. So here's to having faith that this message reaches the people who need to hear it most. Here's to having faith that those who most need to hear this episode will understand my analogy. Regardless, I'd like to take this time to express some gratitude. I am deeply and forever grateful that you're listening. Thank you to those who have reached out and told me how Level 33 has impacted you and your relationships. Your support touches me deeply. If you could be so kind, please continue sharing with your friends and loved ones and leave the podcast a rating and review wherever you stream from. As always, thank you kindly. Now on today's episode, Let Them Wade in the Shallow End is inspired by the saying, meet people where they are at and not where you'd like them to be. If life is a school, then this is a pop quiz that I keep being thrown. Sometimes I pass, other times I fail. But this humbling lesson will always remind me that relationships with others and myself will fare better if I accept others as they are release expectations, and decide whether or not where someone is at adds or takes away from my growth. And that says more about whether I prioritize my own growth. Let me, through imagery, illustrate the importance of this idea. I was thinking about this analogy while on my beach walk. Walking barefoot at the beach is my favorite grounding practice. It is my favorite way to come back to myself. Whenever I feel like life is just testing me, I always end up at the beach. It's where I go to process feelings and integrate lessons. I do a lot of reflecting and journaling near the water. In spirituality, water represents our emotions. Now, even if you don't identify as spiritual, this entire episode is premised on visualizing a body of water, whether that be a pool, a beach, or a lake. I'd like for you to think of the water as emotions and everything that helps you exist with your emotions. It includes the vast array of human emotions. Did you know that it was once thought that there were only six emotions? Happiness, sadness, anger, surprise, fear, and disgust. Studies now show that there are way more 
somewhere around 27 categories of emotions that we as humans can experience. One of my favorite reference books is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. She catalogs human emotions and goes into detail about what each emotion means and why we may be feeling the way that we do. Along with the actual emotions that you may feel, the water also represents tools and practices used around and in response to your emotions, which I think is related to emotional maturity. The American Psychological Association defines emotional maturity as, quote, a high and appropriate level of emotional control and expression, end quote. In other words, it relates to a person's ability to both manage and understand their emotions. This is the practice of identifying your emotions, sitting with them, learning from them. It includes the tools to help you understand your past and how your past may impact the way you show up presently. It's what helps you admit when you're wrong and take responsibility for your actions. It's about practicing self-forgiveness and not allowing yourself to dwell on past mistakes. It's the practice of empathy. It's the recognition that you need help and you ask for it. It's living separately from your fears and anxieties, which I believe plays a huge role in exercising vulnerability, a key component to deep connections. The ability to separate your emotions from your reactions and much, much more. But all of this is swimming in that body of water. I'd like to spend this episode diving into, one, your relationship with water, and then everyone else's relationship with water, and what it means to swim with someone else. What is your relationship with the water? We are born as land dwellers. At some point, if we're lucky, we are introduced to the water by our caretakers. We may stay close to the shore. We may not venture far. We may just sit at the shore with our toes in the water. As we explore at this young stage, we also observe how our caretakers interact with the water. At this stage, we may adopt their approach as our own. If they feared getting in or going too deep because they never learned how to swim or had a bad experience, we may in turn avoid the water as well. We may choose to stay at shore here because that's what we've been shown and that's all we know. Alternatively, we may choose to stay on shore because getting wet is uncomfortable. Later on, if we're lucky, we may have been put in swim lessons or surf camp. Ultimately, we were given the opportunity to develop swimming as a skill. Some of us may take this even further and maintain aquatic sports as a hobby even into adulthood. Or some of us may pick it up in adulthood. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we all start off at the same place, a novice in the water, and then somewhere we were able to develop skills. Some of us continue developing and practicing such skills. Others of us remain ashore. You can think of the desire to stay near shore or the shallow end as the minimal desire to explore your emotional world. Your involvement here is surface level at best. While on shore, you can look out and see that there is so much more to see and experience. Maybe here you can identify two emotions, happiness and sadness. Maybe you prefer 
not feeling these things, so you remain unsure completely. On the other hand, you can think of your capabilities in the water to reflect or represent your ability to play and engage with your emotions. Therefore, to ignore or to numb your emotions would be closely linked to remaining unsure. Knowing how to float is like being able to identify feelings. Knowing how to swim freestyle, that's like being able to identify triggers and self-regulate. Knowing how to scuba dive, well, that's like being familiar and engaging with your inner child. Do you surf every weekend? That's like attending and actively participating in regularly scheduled therapy sessions. You see, so those of us who continue learning and practicing water skills are more likely comfortable with venturing further and further, deeper and deeper. We have developed skills to combat turbulent waters. Some of us became really, really strong swimmers. What lies beneath no longer scares us because we always find a way to come up for air. Here are some questions I'd like for you to ask yourself. What kind of relationship do you have with the water? Where are you on your emotional development journey? How are you investing in your skills? Are you learning more about yourself? Are you reading up on certain topics like inner child healing, um, triggers, traumas, attachment styles? Are you going to therapy? Are you discussing your emotions? Are you learning about your emotions? Um, What practices do you have in place? Are you implementing new patterns, new um, responses to certain triggers? Are Are you taking an active role in your development? And lastly, if you have identified as someone who prefers to stay unsure, and, and that's fine, that's, that's your own journey, but if you are unsure and you would like to venture into the water, what are you doing about that? A note here is um, the ability to swim, much like the ability to become emotionally available, doesn't just come with time. You can sit on your towel and talk about how nice and cool the water would be all you want, but the truth is it takes learning about yourself, cultivating new patterns and responses, and practicing vulnerability before you can become emotionally available to yourself and to others, and in turn, be in a place to cultivate emotional intimacy. To say that it will just happen over time with no effort to engage in any of the above subtasks is simply wishful thinking. We owe it to ourselves to do this work. Now, on to everyone else's relationship with the water. It is just that. It is their relationship with the water. It reflects their skill set and comfortability with the water. The activities that they are able to engage in is a sum of their history, desire, and relationship with the water. Our job is to observe. If someone says they can't swim, believe them. If someone says they can swim, but can only go as far as waist-deep water, observe, take note, and don't expect more than that. 
if someone says they've never jet skied before but are willing to try, be patient with them. Much like emotional maturity, someone else's progress or lack thereof is not to be benchmarked against our own, or vice versa. We don't get mad at people for not knowing how to float, so we shouldn't hold it against them for being unable to identify and communicate their feelings and needs. We can't just push someone into the deep end and hope for a good outcome, just like we can't demand for people to speak up about their feelings when they haven't even practiced the foundational float to begin with, identifying their feelings. So what's the best way to swim with others? In my opinion, what has helped the most in relieving unnecessary mental tension is fully embracing an observer's role. I watch, I listen, I accept, and then I proceed accordingly. What I stopped doing was playing the role of lifeguard, saver, or swim teacher, mother. You see, much like being at the beach, if you're with someone who can't or won't swim, know that you're likely limited to staying ashore. You're not going to drag them into the water. Why? Because then you'll have to swim for two. That's exhausting, and that can only happen for so long. You can teach all you want, but just like swimming, speaking about swimming won't do the other person any good. The student, the other person, actually has to get over their fear of the water and get in and try in order to to develop these desired skills, in order to keep up. And how many beach trips will it take for you to come to terms with how limiting the experience of staying ashore is for you? There's nothing wrong with them wanting to wade in shallow water. But if you are seeking more from an experience, it's unfair to you to stay there when you hold the ability and desire to venture further and deeper. The truth is the other party has to want to go swimming. The truth is the other party has to be doing their own work so that you aren't left swimming for two. The point isn't to shame others for wanting to stay closer to shore. It is to remind you that everyone is on their own emotional journey with their own limitations. Our job is to observe another stage of emotional development and then decide for ourselves whether we actually feel fulfilled swimming with them. The truth is, we can only swim far with others if they've been brave enough to swim on their own. No amount of pressure, persuasion, or pleading can change that. What we can do is lead by example by living in truth and authenticity. I hope that by speaking about the self-work that I've done and that I continue to do, I can inspire and, and encourage others on their own journey. I cannot be mad that someone can't come to the deep end with me. But it is my job to recognize whether someone's inability to go deep will hinder my enjoyment and pleasure in life. So there you have it. My framework that has helped me navigate relationships a bit better. That has relieved a bit of mental tension. I no longer expect people to be acting or operating in the same way that I do because I know it's taken a lot of work to get here. 
I no longer feel the burden or the obligation or the responsibility to have them meet me or to get them at my level. I hope that this resonated with you in some capacity. I hope that this episode has made you ask yourself what kind of relationships you have in your life. Where and if you're swimming for two. And how much longer do you want to be doing that? As always, you can find me on Instagram at level underscore 33. Until next time, stay loving, stay curious.